Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Thursday, October 27th, we are studying Joshua chapter 13, verses 1 to 33. Although there is land yet to be conquered, the Lord commands Joshua to begin allotting the land as Israel's inheritance. And he begins by recounting how the land was divided already on the east side of the Jordan River. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor David Boisclair. Pastor Boisclair serves at Bethesda and Faith Lutheran Churches in North St. Louis County, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Hey, it's great to be here. Got my sword out ready to sharpen. All right, let's do it. Yeah, this is one of those texts where we could use some sharpening. It's one of those texts that sometimes is is difficult to read, at least for modern readers, because we're going to hear a lot of names that maybe are difficult to pronounce, and we don't know always exactly where they are. One of those chapters in the scriptures, when you're reading all the way through, sometimes you might be tempted to just skim over or maybe skip completely, but we have the privilege of studying it in depth this morning. So, Pastor Boisclair, what kind of background information on Joshua, where we've been so far, should we have before we look at chapter 13 today? I think uh, that obviously the conquest of the um, land of Canaan has been completed uh, to some to to a great extent, uh, and uh, now uh, obviously uh, they want to get on with uh, allotting the land to the tribes uh, and. Um, and as it points out that uh, three, uh, rather two and a half of the tribes were taken care of by the land in the east, uh, east of the Jordan. And now, now of course, it has to be allotted to the, uh, uh, what is it, um, 12, uh, not 12, but 10 and, ten and a half. Nine and a half. I know. The, <laughs> nine the math, and a half, the yeah. Math, yeah. Two and a half on the east side, nine and a half on the west side. And, and uh, of course, yeah, because it's like, you know, it's what, what really is, what's really interesting is, is the size of uh, the, the tribe of Joseph, which had to be, which was divided into two. Uh, and, and probably because the fact that the Levites of, would not, were not going to be allotted the land, uh, they, they, of course, had the cities of refuge and, and maybe various cities, and they were present throughout uh, the land of Israel. But uh, the... Uh, it's just the largeness of of Joseph and and his so he he's his tribe was split into two and and in one of those tribes Manasseh was divided into the into Manasseh east and Manasseh west. Yeah, that's right. And Manasseh to the east is what we're going to hear about in the second part of this chapter today. Before we look at the text itself, as as we prepare to enter into not only this chapter, but several chapters of the book of Joshua, that will be a lot of geography, a lot of place names, whether cities or rivers or geographical markers. I'd like to just have you talk a little bit about how we approach these as Christians 
in 2020 reading the Bible? And, and maybe, you know, Pastor Boyce Claire, in your ministry, you've had someone who's who's read through the Bible there at one of your parishes, and they, they come to a chapter like this, and they, they come to you and say, Pastor Boyce Claire, I'm, I'm reading Joshua chapter 13. There's lots of names. Why why bother? Why is this why is a chapter like this important? How would you how would you help Christians today appreciate a chapter like Joshua 13? Well, I would say that this indicates the reality of sacred history, that this is not this is not myth and legend. This is actual territory that that uh, was settled by the Old Testament people of God. And uh, this shows that, and and what's interesting is looking at it uh, in the eyes of archaeology. As it is said, uh, where the Bible mentions it, and so then the archaeologist digs and finds something, which is, of course, not true for, uh, you know, uh, sadly, or not, well, I don't want to say sadly, uh, the Book of Mormon. Uh, They don't use the Book of Mormon to perform archaeology in the Americas. Uh, and, and so my response to uh, the, the person who's a little frustrated with all of these names and, and, you know, to tell you the truth, as I read it, too, it's I, I guess it's a little it's just a tad tiresome, but it just emphasizes to me that this is this really happened in history. Uh, that uh, God really brought his people into this land and fulfilled his promise to Abraham. He said to Abraham, look north, south, east, and west. All the land you see, I give it to you and to your descendants forever. And that, and that is, was a promise that God kept when he brought his people, you know, after the 40-year uh, you know, wandering in the wilderness. Uh, now they they have their home, their their home territory, and 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 it, and it's just like, uh, you know, relish the fact that that God that God is is real Himself, and that He has a real salvation for us as well. Well, and so the emphasis on seeing the land allotted, as we will see in these next several chapters of Joshua is a reminder that God does keep his promises, the very real concrete promise that he made to Abraham, your descendants will possess this land, is being fulfilled right here in the book of Joshua. That is hard to overstate the importance of that, that we see God as the fulfiller of his promises. And then thinking forward, if he fulfills the promise to give them the land, then that also provides continuing confidence that he will fulfill all of his promises, including sending the one who will be born in this very land to fulfill all of God's promises. I mean, in, in that way, a text about the land points us forward to Jesus. We, we see Jesus as the fulfillment of all God's promises. So we, we should rejoice in the fulfillment of the land promises because of the ways they point us forward to the fulfillment of all God's promises in Christ. And the blessed uh, uh, idea here is that uh, Jesus, that's Joshua, who, of course, was the leader of God's people. It, it is his name that is Jesus's name. You know, Jesus is actually was called Yeshua, probably in in Aramaic. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it's rather interesting. I, I remember as a child, my, my, uh, we, we watched the film, the greatest story ever told about the life of Jesus. And they had, there was a line in there where Jesus is talking to James, the less one of his apostles and he, and, uh, that James, the less asks him, what is your name? He says, Jesus. And then James, the less, that's a good name. And, and, and then my mother just 
laughed uh, laughed out loud because she said, well, obviously, but she thought it was unique. And actually, his name is Joshua, our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, and that emphasizes the fact as Joshua led the people of God in the Old Testament into the promised land, so our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, our New Testament Joshua, leads us into the promised land of heaven. And and that, too, is not a fairy tale, just as the land that we're going to be reading about in this chapter and the coming ones is a very real land that you can go and put your feet on still today. So Jesus Christ is a very real Savior, our, our brother, the Son of God in our human flesh, who will come again to take us to a very real place, the new heavens and the new earth and the resurrection. And so, as you pointed out from the very beginning— to read this chapter is to recognize the reality of sacred history, that God is not a fairy tale. He's not some faraway deity who cares nothing for us little peons here, but rather he is our God who enters into time and space and who does things in real history to save real sinners like us. So as we go through the place names as we as we struggle sometimes to pronounce them as best we can, keep those things in mind. And I really think those things help us to appreciate a chapter like this, even with some of the difficulties. Any more introductory comments before we get started, Pastor Boyce Claire? Yes, I, I think it's it's, it's God of uh, Yahweh. Um, says to Joshua, you know, you're, you're getting old, you know, and in the time, uh, the time allotted for you is going to come to an end. And, uh, but now it's time to, um, uh, basically settle the people, my people in their land. And, 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 and of course they cast lots for, like you said, allotted, which I think is a, is an appropriate word to use for how they were set up in the land and, uh, and, and make sure that they're settled into their land. All right, so we are in Joshua chapter 13 this morning. We pick up at the first verse. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. This is the land that yet remains, all the regions of the Philistines and all those of the Geshurites, from the Shehor, which is east of Egypt, northward to the boundary of Ekron, it is counted as Canaanite. There are five rulers of the Philistines, those of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, and those of the Avim, in the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and the Merah that belongs to the Sidonians, to Aphek, to the boundary of the Amorites, and the land of the Gebelites, and all Lebanon toward the sunrise, from Baal Gad below Mount Hermon, to Lebo Hamath, and all the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon, to Mizrapoth Mayim, even all the Sidonians." I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now, therefore, divide this land for an inheritance to the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. And I'm going to pause there. That takes us through verse 7. Beginning in verse 8, the Lord will recount the allotment of the land that's already happened on the east side of the Jordan River. But those seven verses serve for an introduction to chapter 13 and in some respects to several chapters that are to come. So Pastor Boyce, you mentioned this already. Joshua's getting old. He's advanced in years. And the Lord tells him, you are old and advanced in years. And he gives instructions about land that there's, well, this is an interesting thing. There remains land that they haven't possessed, but the Lord tells Joshua, go ahead and allot it already. What's going on here? 
Well, um, obviously, uh, it is God's will that uh, his people live here. Uh, you know, it's rather interesting that uh, at times uh, the when the Israelites do not uh, do the job of conquering and fulfilling what God has has required, and of course, is this you know it it, it it's the kerim where God punishes or you know is visiting punishment on the Canaanites, the people of the inhabitants of the land, the people of the land as they're called, or the inhabitants of the land. That it, it you know, in other words, their conquest is an act of judgment on the part of God against these people because of their evil. Uh, but also, it, it's rather interesting that uh, that also in God's word, it points out that um, perhaps there isn't enough of people among the people of God uh, to inhabit the land. So it's, it's so the land does not, uh, you know, is does not deteriorate. You know, in other words, that the, the farmland is not tilled or, or cared for uh, that, that, you need probably the these other people to continue to be inhabit this land um, to you know in order to keep it up and then and then of course at the at God's good time uh, then then his people might uh, conquer that land but what's what's interesting here is that it mentions uh, Phoenicia and uh, you know you in a sense you know even at the time of of Solomon which was probably when uh, Israel the the empire you might call it the Israelite empire uh, the, that Phoenicia was still on its own but but of course uh, Solomon and, and his kingdom was was you know a great greater power but so- Solomon dominated all of the land up and up to the in the north to the Euphrates and then south to uh, the uh, brook of Egypt, which was the border of Egypt. And, and so that, that's what's interesting here, that it, it talks about these other nations which, which would never be conquered. Then you have the Philistines. Uh, they, they came on the scene in uh, 1200 BC. They're called the Sea Peoples. They kind of invaded the land. It was a time of, of barbarism, uh, you know, where, where a lot of the um, civilization broke down. And uh, they were, of course, the lords of the seven cities. Uh, they were known as the Saran. Uh, uh, the, the ruler of each of the cities was a prince or a Saran. And uh, and then you have these these five cities, which which kind of come into play when you look in the book of, of Judges. Um, but a, as we can see, it, it, it's kind of like this land was actually given to you by the Lord. But, you know, because of sinful human beings, they didn't uh, pursue what God had willed or or because, um, you know, circumstances were as they were. Uh, they, they didn't conquer all the land. Well, and I, I appreciate what you brought out about the fact that these cities need to continue to be populated so they don't just go to ruin while they wait for Israelite occupation. I, I forget exactly where that's written, but I know that's a point that the Lord makes at, at one point in the scriptures is that the, the conquest isn't going to be like the people just don't get driven out all at once so that when the people of Israel come in, there are houses to live in and vineyards to pick and and wine to be made from those grapes and all of the, the good things of the land. The Lord makes use of the Canaanites to to give to them until it is time for them to be driven out. As you said, one of the things that we see in the book of Judges is that they don't actually do all of this and, and trouble comes. What what strikes me here about the fact that the Lord mentions, hey, there's still land remaining, but go ahead and allot it now 
it could strike us as a little bit presumptuous. Well, hold on a second. You haven't actually driven all these people out. Who do you think you are going ahead and, and dividing the land up already? Well, I think that goes to show yet again the certainty of God's promises, even though they haven't yet driven all these people out. God's promise of doing so remains true. And so they can go ahead and divide the land now in looking forward to what the Lord will most certainly do because he's made his promise. And and it's kind of like an analogy or a comparison with our uh, with the fact that we live in the now and the not yet of of eternity. We live in the present evil age and in the age to come as well. But, uh, you know, as, as Scripture says, he who has the Son, trusts in our Lord Jesus Christ, has everlasting life. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, that, 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 of course, remains to play out in our lives by the will of, will of God. But, uh, you know, in, in a sense, uh, we can, I can say, to, someone, I can say to, a, to one who is a Christian, you have eternal life here and now. Yeah. So in this particular case, it's like these tribes here on the um, west side of the Jordan uh, have this land uh, in God's eyes here and now. Yeah, I like the the connection to the the now and not yet of our eternal life, and it's in John chapter five where where Jesus is speaking, and he talks about you know the one who hears his word and believes him has eternal life. He says that hour is coming and is now here, but then he also talks about the hour that is coming that's not yet here, when the those who have died will hear the voice of the Son of God and they will be raised to eternal life. And so there's a, a now and not yet happening in Joshua thirteen just as there is a now and a not yet when it comes to our eternal life. We have eternal life as Christians by faith in Christ, but we're also waiting for that resurrection from the dead that will most certainly come on the last day because we have the Lord's promise. The The other thing, Pastor Boyce-Claire, that, that I think is, is we should talk about is in verse 6, where the Lord makes the promise, I myself will drive them out, all these people, and then we hear that use of the word, he says, allot the land, which as you mentioned, this is how it will be done. It will by, by the casting of lots. So allot the land, but then he says for an inheritance. And that, that language of inheritance, I think, is pretty important. That there's This is more than the Lord sort of just drawing lines over the land, but he's actually giving his people an inheritance. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that word? Well, yeah, it, it even has a relationship to our own internal life. If you look in the book of Hebrews, it speaks about that when a, um, a, an heir or a son of, of someone who owns property or land is, is a minor, that they are uh, they're prepared uh, for, for when they will, will receive their inheritance. Uh, and and, it, and that, that kind of points forward to the promise. And so... Um, but but it, 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 it in other words it it shows that uh, this this land God has given them and 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 it, and he's fulfilling it. It's kind of like uh, you know uh, I, I remember as a child uh, my um, uh, grandmother had a, a picture of George Washington's inauguration and she got it when she was became a citizen of the United States in 1920. And uh, I and I and, and she said she promised me she said I am going to give you that picture and I thought oh this is fabulous and and so it's it's kind of like uh, as you maybe say to your own children if you have like uh, something that you want to uh, leave them uh, in their in your will 
uh, a bequeath to them. It's it's like this is your inheritance, and it and kind of uh, solidifies our relationship with God that that we will uh, that we will inherit eternal life. We inherit uh, the land that the home that He has promised us. And keeping in mind that it's an inheritance reminds the people of Israel who the land actually belongs to and how it came to them in the first place. Certainly in the first 11 chapters of the book of Joshua, we have seen that it has not been the military might of Israel or the strategic planning of Joshua as a general. Those things have not been the reason for Israelite victories. Rather, it has been the Lord himself, Yahweh, who is their general. He is their leader, the commander of the army. And it is when the people of Israel have followed his word and listened to him and trusted him and done what he said, that is when they've been successful in battle. And so to keep in mind that this land that they're about to possess is an inheritance, it's a gift. I mean, that that goes back to all the things that Moses said in the book of Deuteronomy about idolatry in this land and some of the temptations toward idolatry. If you forget that this land is a gift, if you forget that this land is yours, not because you made it something, but because the Lord gave it to you, that's when you run astray into all kinds of idolatry. You know, To hear that inheritance language show up here again is just another reminder for the people of Israel that they stand underneath the love of God and, and they should want to stay there. And if they try to get out from under that, they think this land is theirs because they, they were so mighty and so smart than, compared to their enemies, then they've got it all wrong. This inheritance language is, is so important for them to keep in mind, and for us too. Yeah, law and that's your law and gospel there, isn't it? Uh, I mean, uh, that, that it is, it, you inherit the land uh, as you are under God's grace, by the grace of God, you know, as, as we continue uh, to... Um, follow in his ways that that if we if we are tempted uh, to turn away from God if we if we then then in a sense we fall under his wrath or his judgment and and that, that's kind of in other words he who is the one who gift gifts the land to them is the one also that as judgment may take it away from them I remember as a child my my mother used to tell me <laughs> she said all you own is your birthday suit <laughs> and and uh, in other words, everything else is is dad's and mine, and 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 we we of course uh, give it to you. Uh, you know, it's it's yours, but uh, but I mean, really, it belongs to us. <laughs> We're the ones that really own this house and own all this property and all this all this stuff on. I mean, it was that was a law statement, <laughs> you might say, uh, and and in this case, uh, it, it's like. In in when when he speaks the gospel to us, he says, "I delight to give you something." Uh, you know, as we as we've uh, kind of basked in the glow of the love of our parents and grandparents and so on, they just love to give us uh, something and make us happy. And so God is like that in Christ. God is delights in us and wants to uh, give us uh, the the blessings and the goodness or the good things that uh, He has created. And that's the gospel side of the inheritance is that, you know, I mean, yeah, it, this, it, you don't have anything but your birthday suit and all this, it belongs to your parents and you just have it because, because we give it to you. There's, there's a, a sternness to that, 
But there's also a great joy to live in that relationship with your parents, to live with that gift from them, the great joy that is is there to have what is what is theirs and to do so freely, not begrudgingly. I mean, of course, our our earthly parents, we are not always perfect in that, but but they they give us those things because they love us. We give those things to our children because we love them. How much more so our heavenly father? And and this talk of, you know, living under the inheritance of of God reminds me a little bit of the parable often called the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15 the the two sons the one who demands his inheritance early and then the other one who who thinks he's somehow earning it while he's staying there at home and i believe it's the words that the father speaks to that older son where he says son all that i have is yours that's that's essentially what the father is telling Joshua to do for the people of Israel. He's saying, look, all this land, it's mine, and now it's yours. Live in it as your inheritance, not as something you've earned, but as a free gift. I mean, and just so, I mean, I guess maybe the connection that I'm trying to make to the parable in Luke 15 is imagine that the two sons just joyfully live with their father there in his in his household. That's what Israel's being given here in Joshua 13. Enjoy the inheritance of God. Live in it and all the blessings that are yours when you receive it as a gift. Well, that, that's the essence of the Christian faith, that, that our, salv- our life, our salvation, the blessings of God, the grace of God is all a gift. It is not something that is earned or gained by, you know, and obviously the Lord wants to be us to be diligent and industrious in, in, in doing the work that, that we have been given to us to do in this life. But, but we, we recognize that everything is a, is a total gift of God's love and grace through Christ. And, and that, that, that is, that is uh, you know, very essential for us to understand the truth of Christianity. That was all what was all behind the Reformation. Uh, in the Reformation, the, the church largely forgot that, that uh, forgiveness is a gift of God. It's not something that they earn. That's right. It's all gift. It's all inheritance. That is what Israel is receiving in Joshua 13 and following. And Joshua is going to go on to narrate how the people on the other side, the east side of the Jordan River, have already received an inheritance. We will pick that part of the text up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We are looking at Joshua chapter 13 with Pastor David Boisclair this morning. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. 
Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Thursday, October 27th. We're studying Joshua chapter 13, verses 1 to 33 with Pastor David Boisclair. He serves at Bethesda and Faith Lutheran Churches in North St. Louis County, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, prior to the break, we looked at the first seven verses of the text where the Lord tells Joshua that Joshua is getting old, there still is land to be conquered, and yet now is the time to allot the land as an inheritance. This is a gift for the people of Israel. And so Joshua is to divide the west side of the land between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. He is to divide that for nine and a half tribes, but there is the other two and a half tribes. They have already received inheritance on the other side of the river. And now the book of Joshua recounts those boundaries for us. So we pick up the text in Joshua 13, verse 8. With the other half of the tribe of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites received their inheritance, which Moses gave them, beyond the Jordan eastward, as Moses the servant of the Lord gave them. From Aror, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, and the city that is in the middle of the valley, and all the tableland of Medeba as far as Debon, and all the cities of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon as far as the boundary of the Ammonites, and Gilead, and the region of the Geshurites and Machathites, and all Mount Hermon, and all Bashan to Solakai, and all the kingdom of Og in Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth and in Edrai. He alone was left of the remnant of the Rephaim, these Moses had struck and driven out. Yet the people of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites or the Machathites, but Geshur and Machath dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. To the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance. The offerings by fire to the Lord God of Israel are their inheritance, as he said to him. And Moses gave an inheritance to the tribe of the people of Reuben, according to their clans. So their territory was from Aror, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, and the city that is in the middle of the valley, and all the tableland by Medeba, with Heshbon and all its cities that are in the tableland, Debon and Bamoth Baal, and Beth Baal Meon, and Jahaz, and Kedemoth, and Mephoth, and Kiriathiam, and Sibma, and Zareth Shahar, on the hill of the valley, and Beth Peor, and the slopes of Pisgah, and Beth Jeshemoth, that is, all the cities of the tableland. And all the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, whom Moses defeated with the leaders of Midian, <clears throat> Evi, and Rechem, and Zor, and Hor, and Reba, the princes of Sihon, who lived in the land. Balaam also, the son of Beor, the one who practiced divination, was killed with the sword by the people of Israel among the rest of their slain. And the border of the people of Reuben was the Jordan as a boundary. This was the inheritance of the people of Reuben, according to their clans, with their cities and villages. Moses gave an inheritance also to the tribe of Gad, to the people of Gad according to their clans. Their territory was Jazer, and all the cities of Gilead, and half the land of the Ammonites, to Aror, which is east of Rabbah, and from Heshbon to Ramath Mizpeh, and Betanim, and from Mahanaim to the territory of Debir, and in the valley of Beth Haram, Beth Nimrah, Sukoth, and Zaphon, the rest of the kingdom of Sihon, king of Heshbon, having the Jordan as a boundary to the lower end of the Sea of Kinnereth, eastward beyond the Jordan. This is the inheritance of the people of Gad, according to their clans, with their cities and villages. And Moses gave an inheritance to the half-tribe of Manasseh. It was allotted to the half-tribe of the people of Manasseh, according to their clans. Their region extended from Mahanaim, through all Bashan, the whole kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, 
and all the towns of Jair, which are in Bashan, sixty cities, and half Gilead, and Ashtaroth, and Edrai, the cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan. These were allotted to the people of Machir, the son of Manasseh, for the half of the people of Machir, according to their clans. These are the inheritances that Moses distributed in the plains of Moab, beyond the Jordan, east of Jericho. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel is their inheritance, just as he said to them. That's the rest of our text. That's Joshua 13, verses 8 to 33. Okay, Pastor Boyce Claire, a lot of names there. As I've, as I've told many, there's, there's no secret to pronouncing these names. You just sound confident when you do so. So that was, <laughs> that was my attempt to, to read through the names. Thank you for bearing with me on that. Help us, help us into this. We've got two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan River. It, it sounds like you're getting some summary and then individual tribe, you know, how it gets divided. Help us, in, help us into this text. Help us to break it down. Well, uh, if, if you look at uh, Numbers chapter 21, verses 21 to 35, you have when this land was subdued. Uh, even under Moses. And um, I I was wondering whether we could read uh, uh, numbers, uh, at least some passages of that. Um, Basically, you know, it's kind of like premised on, uh, will they allow us to go through their land? Uh, You know, then this, of course, is is east of the Jordan and east of the Dead Sea. Uh, Obviously, God did not want to give his people the land of the Edomites, because uh, they, they was a, a, a child of Isaac, uh, the brother of Jacob or Israel. And so Edom was, of course, to have their nation. Uh, to the, and then you had the, the nations of Moab and the nation of Ammon. Well, those were the sons of Lot. And uh, those, those nations were not to be part of the inheritance either. So, but, but they asked them if they could go through. And, and I think, uh, you know, Edom uh, and said, no, you can't. And, but they still went through <laughs> on the King's Highway or whatever the, the way that they, they had taken. Uh, then they, they um, uh, you know, basically sent a messenger to Sihon, king of the Amorites. And, uh, you know, Sihon did not want to allow Israel to pass uh, so they um, came out, it says in uh, Numbers 21, uh, verse 23, but Sihon would not allow Israel to pass through his territory. He gathered all his people together and went out against Israel to the wilderness and came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. And Israel defeated him with the edge of the sword and took possession of his land from Arnon to the Jabbok, as far as to the Ammonites, for the border of the Ammonites was strong. Uh, okay, and so that's that's basically uh, you know that that particular land uh, which w- went to fell to to uh, uh, to Reuben and Gad, and uh, what's interesting on the on the uh, east side you kind of divide it by the uh, you know the rivers or the brooks, mm. uh, the Zered and the Jabbok and and so on, and uh, then then of course they they also wanted to. Uh, they went up by way of Bashan, this is verse 33 of, of Numbers 21, uh, uh, and Og, king, the king of Bashan, came out against them, he and all his people, to the battle at, at Drei. But the Lord said to Moses, Do not fear him, for I have given him into your hand, and all the, his people and his land, and you shall do to him as you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon. 
So they defeated him and his sons and all his people until he had no survivor left and they possessed his land. And then, of course, you, you have the information about Og. He was quite a big fellow, like uh, Goliath of Gath. Um, you know, it's interesting that his uh, bed was nine cubits as its length and four cubits its breadth. And I, I knowing a cubit is for, uh, the distance between your your um, uh, your elbow to your uh, the end of your little pinky. Uh, I, I measured my king size bed and I, I noticed it was like five, four and a half cubits in length. Ah. Uh, Og's bed was nine cubits. <laughs> so he was a, he yeah. was a giant. He was a Rephaim or he was or an Anakim, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, these, these giant people. But anyway, this shows the, the sort of the, the, pre, uh, the preface to this uh, section that this, this was a command, this was conquered by God's people. Uh, at the direction of our of of the Lord, and uh, then then it was part of the inheritance, which gave a little bit more land on the um, west side of the Jordan to the rest of the tribes. Yeah, that that's right. So I mean, this is a this is an interesting thing that I mean, all these things happened under Moses. That's the way that this chapter reads. That Moses gave this inheritance. So this is a recounting of of things that have already happened, and we've we've heard these names before. Some of them, as you've pointed out, both Sihon, Og, those were recounted not only in Numbers twenty one when the events actually happened, but when we were studying Deuteronomy recently here on Sharper Iron, these kings were mentioned in the early chapters of Deuteronomy as Moses lays out God's promises already starting to be fulfilled, and so again, you know, the mention of these familiar names. Og of of Bashan, Sihon, king of the Amorites. These are these are reminders that God keeps His promises. And if my memory serves correctly, the the conquering of these kings already on that side of the Jordan River is a reminder on this east side of the Jordan River. It's a reminder that like God's going to keep His promises. It's that foretaste of the feast to come. The fullness of the promised land is coming, and now the Lord has fulfilled that. These were the, the promises kept at the very beginning, that foretaste. And so we've heard about some of these before, and it's good to have that reminder yet again. Numbers chapter 21, Deuteronomy 2 and 3 also recount some of these events. Uh, another name that may be familiar, although I'm not sure that we've talked much about him on Sharper Iron, is in verse 22 of this chapter, Balaam, the son of Beor, the one who practiced divination, was killed with the sword. Remind us of, of the incident with Balaam, the son of Beor. Well, there was, uh, was it Balak? He was a king of Moab, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not exactly, uh, I don't remember exactly. I believe he was the king of Moab. And uh, he, he resented the fact that the Israelites were coming into the promised land. And he, uh, he said, uh, he, he hired uh, Balaam uh, as, as a, uh, you know, a seer and, a, and, a, and kind of a, a prophet or a seer a divinator, um, you know, doing, practicing, um, spiritual, evil, spiritual practices that he had, that he was doing, uh, to curse the people of Israel. And, um, you know, he, he was, it, it's an interesting, interesting account how, uh, Balaam was on his way to, um, uh, curse uh, the people of Israel, and uh, you know there was an angel that met him in the road, and and I think it was like three times uh, that his donkey 
uh, turned away. Uh, a she, it was a, a she donkey. And uh, the third time there was no place for her to go. <laughs> the angel was right in the way and, and maybe between two walls. And she just, she just went down on her knees and, um, and, 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 you know, and, and Balaam's probably beating the poor animal and, and then God opens the mouth of, of the donkey and, and she says, why, why are you beating me? <laughs> <laughs> and then God opened opened the eyes of Balaam. He saw the the uh, angel with his uh, unsheathed sword, uh, ready to destroy him. Mm-hmm. And 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 so this guy is on. And each time that he looks, at, you know, he he kind of has a, a different perspectives of the people of Israel in the in the plain below, and he blesses them instead of curses them. And then, but then there is uh, there is an incident at ba- Baal Peor, uh, where where uh, the people of Israel were tempted into sexual sin and idolatry, and uh, they they were you know severely punished for that. But then, in during the 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 ba- battles that happened afterward, Balaam was killed uh, during that battle. Yeah, that's right. So Balaam is probably best known among Christians today for the incident with the donkey when the donkey talks. But as you said, there's a much larger story, and particularly what you mentioned there at the end where Balaam leads the people of Israel into sexual immorality and idolatry. That is where the Balaam, ultimately, he meets his end as as is brought out here that he was among the slain. And that's what he's most remembered for, I think, in the scriptures is the that uh, divination and that idolatry into which he led the people. And so he serves as a warning and, and one that certainly the people of God should watch out for those like Balaam who would lead them astray. In, in terms of other names, places within these, you know, these three tribes or two and a half tribes that we were talking about in Joshua 13, what other, what other places or names would you like to highlight for us today? Pastor Boyce clear. Well, um, obviously, uh, the city of Mahanaim uh, is is a very very uh, significant city uh, that is on the on on the um, by the river Jabbok. Uh, that was where um, uh, Jacob, when he brought his um, family back into the uh, land of Canaan, that he divided his his uh, family into uh, two two caravans you know but you know in other words the the sons of of Leah and the, and then the sons of uh, maybe the the concubine the two concubines Zilpah and Billah and uh, and uh, his wife Rachel and and uh, then uh, it was uh, near in Mahanaim it says that so the the name Mahanaim means two camps and and that's where you know they're 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 preparing to meet Esau uh, who uh, is is coming at at him with uh, armed men, and, and so he's thinking, well, how am I going to defend my family, uh, my caravans against them? Um, and at Mahanaim also was where David, King David, uh, was in exile after Absalom uh, overthrew his kingdom for the short time that he did, and then and David uh, set up his headquarters in Mahanaim. Uh, and, and that, of course, is in in verse 26. Um, I'm 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 trying to I'm looking at at the other. The, there's mention of the Sea of Kinnereth. Uh, we know that's the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so so in other words, it's looking at the Sea of Galilee from the east side. Um, and um, 
uh, basically, it, it kind of gives us a picture of, of that particular uh, uh, land, uh, Gilead. Uh, there's bomb in Gilead, and thinking of of uh, that, or also maybe uh, the the um, going uh, Pisgah. Uh, I, I like uh, pronouncing it that way. Uh, that is, of course, uh, uh, near where Moses uh, went up into the mountain and saw the, the the land of Israel to the west. And, and the Lord, of course, uh, he, he died, and then the Lord buried him, as, as uh, Deuteronomy tells us. Right. So even on this east side of the Jordan River, there are familiar place names to us from other parts of Scripture, highlighting Mahanaim and some of these other ones, the Sea of Kinnereth. That one we know very well from the New Testament, particularly in all of Jesus' activity around the Sea of Galilee. A, a lot of places that we do recognize, and again, we're on the east side of the Jordan River here. A couple of verses that I, I do think we should highlight. One is is in verse 13, where it says, The people of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites or the Machathites, but Geshur and Machath dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. I know that other times when the people of Israel fail to drive out the natives of the promised land, that bad things happen to them eventually. Is this a, a, a foretaste of that, that they didn't drive out the Geshurites or Machathites completely, or, or am I missing something? No, I think I think you're you're right on the money here. Uh, that's that that poses a problem for for the later, um, um, you know, the time of the judges. Uh, obviously, if you when you go into the uh, the history of the judges of Israel, uh, that uh, it's it's uh, you know a back and forth situation where these people that are allowed to remain in the land uh, get the get the better of them, or or maybe even people from outside, you know, uh, from maybe from the east that. Uh, people of Midian or, or other other uh, nations that come in and oppress the people of Israel and obviously the Philistines. So definitely this is a, you know, this is a uh, kind of a shadow on, on the future. Right. So this, this will repeat itself, especially in the book of Judges. And when they do not d- drive out the idolaters, the idolatry starts to take root in their own hearts. And that proves very troublesome to the people of Israel, especially in the book of Judges and beyond. The other, the other main part of this section that we've not yet addressed is the note in verse 14 and then again in verse 33. There's a bit of a bookend here on this section that talks about what Moses gave to the tribe of Levi. And Levi did not have an inheritance of land. Instead, Levi had the inheritance of the offerings by fire to the Lord. And actually, the Lord God himself is the inheritance of Levi, according to verse 33. Talk about the, the role of Levi and not receiving an inheritance of land and, the, and its significance. Well, it, it you, you might have a... Um a parallel in in our in in the New Testament church, our our New Testament church, uh, where it, it, the the pastor, uh, it, it, the Levites, of course, were like the uh, the clergy, were the pastors of the people, and and uh, they were they were called into the office of the ministry or the office of the priesthood, uh, in order to. Um, you know, basically direct the worship of God's people. They also, you know, they also uh, probably provided, um, you know, to be judges or or to to assist in in um, um, administering uh, laws and order within the tribes and so on. You know that they could, you know, it 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 isn't a situation where. 
Uh, well, there, uh, yeah, maybe there is a type of in, information in terms of them being a, kind of a uh, a go-between or, or uh, you know, again, it, it, when, when Christ came, of course, the priesthood, the Old Testament priesthood of Levi uh, was brought to an end when the, when the uh, veil of the temple was split at the death of our Lord. Uh, but but in a sense, this is is it's kind of like they they had a special privilege of uh, of taking care of the sanctuary of God. In in this case, of course, the the tabernacle that Moses had built in the wilderness, and then also uh, the temple in Jerusalem. So, with the the tribe of Levi not having an inheritance of land, uh, well, on on one level, one of the things we should point out is that this is the reason why. There are 12 tribes of Israel that receive allotments of land, even though Levi doesn't. Levi gets subtracted from the allotment, but then, as I think you mentioned this toward the beginning of our show this morning, that the tribe of Joseph receives two allotments of land. Manasseh and Ephraim, the two sons of Joseph, they receive allotments of land. And so that's how there's still 12 tribes of Israel when you look at those maps. And I would encourage all of our listeners to look at a map as we read through this section of Joshua. When you see there's 12 tribes but no Levi, that's how the math still works out. With the tribe of Levi not having an inheritance of land but living, I would, I think, they really stand as an example of living by faith. They live by faith in the Lord, that he is their inheritance. And they also live according to the faithfulness of the people, as we saw in the book of Deuteronomy. And you might have had one of these sections, Pastor Boisker. I'm not, I'm, I don't remember exactly, but the, the people of Israel, when they give their tithes and their offerings, this is how the Lord actually supports his Levites. So the the way that Levi doesn't receive an inheritance of land, but instead receives this inheritance of the offerings and the Lord himself, that's a wonderful example, certainly of, of the way pastors live by faith, but really the way all Christians live by faith. Exactly, and 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 even as as in Scripture it says, uh, they that uh, preach the gospel shall live from the gospel. Uh, so that that uh, that that's the intention, uh, you know. The, the the way is for the people of God as they are gathered around uh, word and sacrament. Uh, they they um, support the pastor so that he doesn't have to worry about his um, needs in the world. You know, in other words, they should give him an adequate uh, compensation support. Uh, then then he can uh, devote. Uh, you know, give himself wholly to the office of the holy ministry, and 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 to be able to uh, daily study the word of God, and to counsel and preach and teach uh, the God's word to His people. Yeah, and and some pastors, it's not universal, but some pastors who have parsonages or who live in parsonage, I should I should say, it's not a it's not a too far away of a parallel from what the Levites have, that this is the the Lord's land and they live on it as their inheritance, but they don't own it. Similarly, pastors who live in a parsonage are living by faith that the congregation is going to provide. And thanks be to God for faithful congregations who do exactly that, who care for their pastor as the one who proclaims the gospel to them. And the Levites are, are an, a precursor to that. As you said, it's not an exact parallel from the Le- Levitical priesthood and the, the Levites to 
to the office of the Holy Ministry in the New Testament, but there are certainly parallels that we are right to recognize. Pastor Boyce Claire, we have about three minutes here on the morning. Uh, we've looked at a lot of geography, a lot of names that are sometimes difficult to pronounce, tried to give a, a good handle on, on why we should care about a chapter like this as we think about the end of Joshua's ministry, the inheritance on the east side of the Jordan River. Help us to, to wrap this chapter up, and, and especially as we've gotten into some of the nitty-gritty here, at the end, help us to see how do we see Christ in Joshua chapter 13. Yes. Uh, one of the things I wanted to say was um, that, uh, you know, among those who are the critics of Scripture, they say that uh, the conquests of Canaan uh, through Joshua was an inside job, that they didn't come from outside and go in. But if we read the the, the sacred record, it states that uh, God's people entered came from the wilderness, came from Egypt, and, and, and was, were given the land by God. I think what, what is most important to remember is, as, as you have said and as we've pointed out, is that it is an inheritance, it is a gift of God's grace that uh, he, he promised to give them this land. Um, and uh, this is the fulfillment, that God does keep his promises to us in the same way as God uh, kept his promises to his Old Testament people, so also he will keep his promise to us as well, that, that through the merits and the bloody sacrifice and the, and the uh, grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we receive the forgiveness of our sins and, and eternal life. And, and so it, it, it points, it, it helps us to understand uh, what our life with God is. It's like a, 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 a beautiful uh, holy and glorious family that we are members of that God uh, you know, brings us to himself and 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 here here it's like promises kept I think that's kind of like an, uh, in, in a political sense there's those promises made promises kept uh, in the case of for for us in our faith God makes his promises to us of everlasting life and he will keep his promises even as we see uh, this work out in the history of God's people. Pastor David Boyce-Claire is pastor at Bethesda and Faith Lutheran Churches in North St. Louis County, Missouri, helping us today with Joshua chapter 13, verses 1 to 33. Pastor Boyce-Claire, thanks for being our guest today. It's been just a, a wonderful pleasure and a joy to speak to God's people and everyone. <laughs> I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about the book of Joshua or any comments, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.